Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. that time of year again and all eyes are now turning to football as teams are back on the gridiron to start the football season as always bet online is your number one spot for all the pro and college football action this season get all the updated odds props and contests including online's biggest half million dollar nfl mega contest the world's largest two hundred thousand dollar nfl survivor contest open now at bet online Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today to receive your 100% welcome bonus. Take advantage of their opening day super promo. Make a bet on Thursday, September 9th season opener between the Super Bowl champion Buccaneers and the Dallas Cowboys. And if you lose, your wager will be refunded. Up to $25 for new customers only when signing up and using promo code NFL100. Again, that's NFL100. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports favorite sports. Bet online, your online sports book experts. All right, folks, this is Jeremy Evans, your host of the Believe in Sports Law podcast. As always, appreciate you being with us and making us the number one sports law podcast in the world. So today's episode for uh, Tuesday, September 7th, 2021. Hope you enjoyed your Labor Day weekend. We're going to be talking about college athletics embracing of NIL, name, image, and likeness, health and tech development. And we're going to be talking about uh, what these things mean in this sort of embracing of NIL health and tech development uh, for education, for growth of the of college athletics uh, and a host of other um, sort of ideas and insights when it comes to this. So what are we talking about when we say college athletics embracing NIL health and tech development? Well, sort of at the outset, um, I think one of the good things that we should do is um, looking at this idea of what NIL is and sort of how it came about, right? We've talked about this point, but it's just a little refresher and as a way to kind of uh, discuss what NIL uh, means going forward. So name, image, and likeness really is rights of publicity, or ROP, as it's uh, referred to as an acronym. And of course, NIL is name, image, and likeness. Well, rights of publicity have existed uh, in... Uh, American and sort of English common law when it comes to uh, even beyond statutes being drafted for hundreds of years. Now, there are certain states that don't recognize rights of publicity, uh, you know, directly through statute, but there is definitely common law when it comes to uh, either um, jurisprudence, which is sort of court cases or sort of accepted norms and this sort of thing. So rights of publicity essentially prevents the unauthorized commercial use of an individual's name, likeness, or other recognizable aspects of one's persona. And of course, you have the exclusive right to license 
uh, your identity for commercial promotion. And then, of course, if you violate that right of somebody else under rights of publicity, uh, then you have a potential infringement claim. And these generally revolve around invasions of privacy, intrusion, appropriation of name or likeness, and uh, unreasonable publicity in false light. And those are referred to as torts. Now, of course, in the NCAA setting, this was not possible, right? Because the NCAA was basically saying that, um, you know, you that basically student athletes could not profit from their name, image, and likeness. And so in that way, what, what state law did when it started passing, uh, what it, the first was California with the Fair Play to Fair Pay to Play Act, and then a bunch of other states followed suit, uh, is it forced the NCAA to basically make a decision? You know, if they had these state laws coming forward, uh, and it really made them rethink the process. And so it opened up that opportunity uh, for them, uh, for college athletes and said, all right. And then on July 1st, we're going to have, you know, 2021, we're going to have name, image, and likeness opportunities in these certain states. Well, of course, once that date hit, you know, ultimately rights of publicity were already on the books. So what the law really did, these new laws was really just say, um, we're going to push up that clock uh, you know, a little bit further, right? So we're going to make it easier for this to happen. But those rights already existed. It was basically just, you know, having the NCAA um, allow it to occur without being in violation of eligibility and of NCAA rules and regulations, not to mention individual school and conference rules. So now that we have this environment, we have this environment of NIL, uh, there are... Um, you know, uh, basically uh, opportunities abound for college athletes. Uh, I think the sort of overarching theme though is whether universities will partner with their athletes uh, to, um, to make a profit. And I think there's a few ways to look at this. You know, there's a model which we've talked about recently, uh, recently is there's a model where, you know, you have an education partner that comes in and helps talk about, you know, what name of and likeness is and how you broker deals. There's the open doors Twitter model where open doors Twitter slash brand model where, you know, a student athlete goes onto the platform, signs up. Twitter is there to use as a distribution platform. And of course, there's already pre-signed up brands. And then, of course, those are probably going to be reserved for the, um, the higher level, higher marketable sort of student athletes. But uh, there's that model. And then there's the model where, uh, maybe school is taking a percentage of these deals if they're helping broker them or helping sort of uh, monitor them. Uh, and then there's, of course, of course, the hands-off approach, which is, you know, basically do what you will off campus. But once you're here on campus, you abide by certain rules. You know, you um, can't promote, you know, sort of uh, sin industry products, you know, gambling, um, say uh, gambling, alcohol, cannabis, that sort of thing. Um, any sort of, uh, you know, sort of sin industry uh, topic is going to be off limits. And of course you can't compete, you know, for example, UCLA has got the Jordan brand that they wear. Well, a student athlete's not going to be able to wear Adidas or Under Armour, you know, on, um, you know, in, in a broadcasting game. And they may even be restricted from wearing it in general uh, because it sort of restricts, um, you know, I, I would assume that a deal with, a university that is to promote a brand uh, would not allow sort of competing grant brands to come in. 
that being said, um, it, you know, I think it depends. Obviously, you can wear whatever you want off the field, right? Uh, but I think as a college athlete, there is some responsibility still to wear what the school is sort of uh, what deal they've brokered. And, and so uh, there's going to be some issues there that uh, I foresee. But we have this rights of publicity. We have the state law that's come into play, uh, which really pushed up the NCAA's sort of decision-making, and now they've allowed it. And even there's even some high schools that have allowed name, image, and likeness uh, profitability. But I think, you know, ultimately, whether a state passes a law or not, unless they affirmatively say that you cannot uh, use your name, image, and likeness for a profit, which to my knowledge, no state has done and probably will not do, um, at least in the immediate future. I think that um, states and individuals are pretty much free to do what they will, subject to whatever local uh, school or NCAA regulations that come down the line. But, you know, again, we've had these rights of publicity on the books for years. Now, I think it is interesting that in California, for example, the PAC-12, uh, which includes uh, four schools from the PAC-12, Stanford, Berkeley, um, UCLA, and USC, uh, th their student athletes are already profiting from their name, image, and likeness, despite the fact that the Fair Pay to Play Act does not, in, does not go uh, into effect until 2023. So I think, again, it highlights the point that um, you know, state law in many ways was ceremonial. Uh, it helped to get the process going, but these laws were already in existence and it was really just a matter of getting the NCAA on board. Now, it, it is interesting too that um, the PAC-12 did something that was very interesting. And this is to the point that uh, there are, um, college athletics is really embracing NIL and health and tech development. And, and what I mean by that is a specific example is the PAC-12 is the first conference, let alone a power five conference uh, to allow its student athletes to use broadcast footage in their name, image, and likeness deals. Uh, this aspect cannot be overstated about how um, beneficial this is for student athletes. Normally, you'd have to license it. You have to go through a huge process. It's going to be very expensive. Uh, so that's not going to be occurring in this. There might be a clearance process, but uh, ultimately, it's going to be very straightforward uh, for these athletes to use this in their name, image, and likeness deals on social media. Now, of course... Uh, this is huge because this, you know, broadcast is copyrighted footage and that footage is owned by the conferences, the schools, and uh, to be able to use that for little or no money at all. And to be able to do that in a very easy way is so, so profitable and so beneficial. However, it is interesting to note that this is going to benefit the schools, uh, the universities, colleges, and the networks themselves and even advertisers as well, because they're essentially getting their uh, content promoted on platforms, social media platforms and wherever else in reaching a younger and entirely new set of fans that wouldn't normally watch sports uh, that are just engaged on social media and wouldn't watch a full game of sports to catch the commercials or what have you. So this is a whole new opportunity for brands, for advertisers, uh, for athletes and for universities and networks. And I've often said, that NIL, it would be smart for a university to partner with a college athlete 
because ultimately, again, for the points I just mentioned, it's going to promote their own brand on different platforms and in different ways and in different demographics they wouldn't normally reach, but also because it's a highlight of their brand. The reality of it is, is that NIL also benefits universities and colleges and the NCAA because it's just additional ways to distribute content. And with many people, especially the younger generation, watching content via social media or, you know, uh, consuming you know, via, you know, your, your phone or what have you. And I think even when I look at my own consumption habits, you know, I won't watch a full game. I'll usually catch the highlights. Um, you know, I, you know, will watch things that are being streamed, um, you know, and I'll check the scores. I'll sort of refer to social media, but I, I think for, you know, many people these days, you're not really watching a full game. And so NIL is really additional opportunity for those folks, um, to, um, uh, to ultimately promote programming and to have access to copyrighted broadcast content uh, is just a huge uh, deal and, and it's a change maker. And, uh, you know, applause the PAC-12 for doing this because I think this is going to make it very easy uh, for student athletes in the PAC-12 to do this. And I wouldn't be surprised if the other Power Five uh, and other conferences around the country do this as well. Now, interestingly, the New York State Legislature did introduce legislation in 2020 that did not come to fruition, but that would have split broadcast revenue with college athletes. Now, that was a non-starter for, you know, really any college uh, and network. There's no way that they were going to split that revenue at this point in time. Um, you know, even in the pro leagues, they're not doing that. Uh, you know, ultimately in the NBA, you might have 50% of the profits, but they're not splitting 50% of the, the, the broadcast revenue. It's the most profitable thing. So they are paying their athletes, but, um, you know, and paying them well, but it's, it's not going to be a situation where they were going to be splitting that, uh, especially in the college space. Now, another aspect to this is the idea that um, this idea of health and tech development. So Apple is um, creating a, uh, its next Apple Watch, which is, I think, out now, uh, is going to be tracking biometric data. Now, of course, you're not going to wear an Apple Watch when you're uh, in a game, but I think Apple products can help uh, through training and that sort of thing and help with development and injury prevention. Uh, Facebook is also working with Google to create something similar to Apple, uh, which will be available on different various different platforms. Uh, EA Sports is uh, looking to get back into uh, providing a college video game uh, and the athletes will be able to, college athletes will be able to profit from their name, image, and likeness uh, from that gaming uh, simulation. Uh, there's also uh, opportunities for non-fungible tokens, which we've talked about quite extensively. Uh, the question being, will these college athletes be able to use NFTs? Because that assumes ownership over broadcast footage. The answer is probably no, um, but, you know, we'll see. Uh, you know, maybe there's, uh, something to be said about an athlete running for a touchdown and then a picture that's taken uh, or a still that's taken from that broadcast, you know, can you then, you know, go and sell that NFT for a profit and will that be granted? Unlikely, but something to think about. Uh, Spotify has become uh, really a streamer of, of um, things well beyond music and podcast. Now you're getting into original series. As you know, with sports documentaries being so popular, uh, why not? Why not have, and there's even been talks of a hard knocks of college football, but why not a series of originals and documentaries um, and podcasts done by college athletes? 
nothing preventing them from doing this. Uh, it's all related to name, image, and likeness and how they can get paid for it. And also, you look at Facebook, they've even created a social media fantasy sports app. Um, you know, imagine the effect of that on college sports. Imagine uh, the effect of gambling in college sports. Um, the Dodgers, for example, the ownership group of the Dodgers through their Elijah Park uh, Ventures group has uh, put money in to help fundraise for high school athletes and programs. So it'll be kind of like a GoFundMe uh, app for high school athletes and programs. So again, looking at development and uh, bringing sort of the next uh, the next generation up. And of course, colleges, high schools are really, you know, uh, feeder systems for colleges because, you know, athletes for the college level are not really coming from overseas. Uh, very rarely are they coming from overseas. Uh, and really, United States is kind of rare in that sense in terms of this idea of having um, very popular high school and college sports, something that does not exist in Europe or really other places around the world. Mostly they're done through uh, camps and that sort of thing. Of course, we've talked a little bit about sports betting, uh, but when you look at who the Pac-12 just hired, um, and uh, he's a, a Vegas gaming executive, uh, we've had the Fiesta Bowl, um, uh, naming rights purchased by Caesars Entertainment. And of course, University of Colorado signed a five-year five -year deal with PointsBet. So uh, college athletics is truly embracing, um, for the most part, NIL, tech, health, and, and uh, sort of development in those spaces. So uh, I think that in California, this would be an interesting thing to follow because um, sports betting outside of horse racing at the track and at uh, Native American casinos and on reservations, um, you know, is, is, is not allowed currently in California outside of those, uh, those very rare things. And so I think California, if California, the legislature were to change its stance on sports betting and pass a law, uh, this would just be, you know, really, I think the creme de la creme when it comes to sports betting with the amount of people that are here and the amount of sports that are here the amount of college athletes that come out of California, the amount of professional sports franchises that are here, the entertainment, everything that goes on in California. Um, and again, I think the PAC 12 is pretty uh, well situated. You're talking about who it just hired. Uh, I think at the very least, you're going to see a lot more entertainment and higher broadcast premium prices uh, when you're talking about the PAC 12, particularly when uh, you have a scheduling deal that was placed with the ACC and the big 10 uh, that should go into place right around the time when the new broadcast deals are done. So again, I, I think the opportunities for college athletics and athletes are substantial. The question is really, will colleges work with these student athletes to make it, uh, to make it happen? And I, and I think that, um, I think that that's sort of an important point, but it, it'll be an interesting thing to follow regardless. And, um, you know, and, and we'll be watching it. You know, I think NIL is a fascinating space. But thank you again, folks, for listening in. This is your host, Jeremy Evans of the Believe in Sports Law podcast via the Believe Podcast Network. This show has been presented by Bet Online. Wishing you a great week. Thank you so much for listening in and making the Believe in Sports Law podcast with Jeremy Evans, the number one podcast, sports law podcast in the world. Thank you so much.
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.